Hello, and thank you for listening to the latest installment of our Unsolved Podcast series. I'm David Lydon. Each month, we look at another unsolved mystery from northern Michigan. This month, we're examining the case of Dakota Rico. The Midland native was shot and killed back in September of 2015, early in the morning on Saginaw's south side. State police were on the scene shortly after, but there has yet to be an arrest or charges in the case. Dakota's family has watched other Saginaw homicides get solved over the years as their wait for answers drags on. It's safe to say they're tired and frustrated with the lack of new developments in the case. I sat down with Dakota's mother and brother to talk about the case and the frustrations that have started to set in. Tell me about Dakota. <laughs> I'll let Ryan start. Um, he was a go-getter type of person, just lots of energy, very charismatic. Um, ever since he, well, he's uh, six years younger than me, but I remember ever since he was in like middle school, he always had a trail of girls behind him, always. <laughs> Even when he was actually younger, like we would be like at the pool at our apartment complex that we lived in when we were kids and there was always just little, like everybody just loved him. But um, he had a lot of friends and he was just a genuine person, very loyal. That he was, he was just, he was no very outgoing person. He had a big heart. He was always kind mm -hmm. to everybody. Um, caring, very jokingly. He loved to play games. Um, what do you call those, the Nintendo games too? Yeah, he was like Xbox. PS, yeah, Xbox, PlayStation. He was yep. a gamer. Yeah, he was Jack a big gamer. Jack of all trades. <clears throat> yep, he was. Just as the years went on, he taught my grandson how to play those games and <laughs> good luck in breaking that one because he's still into them bad. That, that's his legacy in some ways, is that yes. love of game that's, that's kind of carrying Yes. A legacy, that's a good way to say that. It is too, it is a legacy. <laughs> <laughs> so September of 2015, uh, yep. take me back to that day. That's got to be a hard day for you guys. It was four in the morning when they came to my house. State trooper is dead. State police from the special crime units. And for like 10 or 15 minutes, they kept telling me Dakota was in trouble. And like, what kind of trouble is he in? She goes, was he into guns? I'm like, I don't think so. Well, drugs, I don't think so. And then, so I flipped on the porch light, went to go see if he was out in their car, and there's state troopers like right at my door right there. I'm like, oh shit. So I shut the door, shut the lights off. And I'm like, so where is he? Because he had my brother's truck, so my brother's blowing my phone up. Your boy's in some kind of trouble with my truck. Because they hit his house first. And it was like 3.30 in the morning. And, um... So I'm like, so what kind of trouble is he in? If, he, if you don't have him in, he's not in Midland Jail saying, we're, you know, well, no, ma'am, he's dead. Okay. You call that trouble? And it just like, bam, it hit me. Um, They lied about where he was at. They wouldn't even go to his dad's house. And his dad lived maybe, not even, maybe a mile from where Cody was killed. And he's like, he heard the gunshots, but he didn't realize it was his son where they're getting killed. It took Ryan, what, a week for them to go over and look in Cody's bedroom over there that he had over there? Yeah, in his car. Yeah, to look through there. They wouldn't even go over and talk to his dad. So there was some frustration, not not to get ahead of you know, the yeah. timeline here, but there was some frustration 
early on in how this was the investigation you guys felt was being handled. Yeah, yep. yeah right off the bat. Mm-hmm. It, um, the night that it happened, my brother came right up because I, I had my other son calling and tell him what happened. You know, so he came right up. All my sisters came over. Brian came. And we ended up going to Saginaw. But his, I had sent my other son, Boo, over to his dad's house with a friend of ours that could speak Spanish better mm -hmm. to tell him what happened. And so we were told it happened on the corner of Wise and Washington. And so as his dad was going down there, he looked down a few more blocks and, that, and he stumbled upon the he crime scene. He saw the commotion. Yeah. Because they lied to where Kodiak got killed. Where they said Kodiak got killed is where the suspect lived. Isn't that weird? And we put that together later on because we kept trying to figure out, like, you know, like how the whole, like, not trying to jump ahead, but how the mm -hmm. whole wanted for murder and then wanted for the interest, you know, of. It goes from suspect to person of interest. Yeah. And it was just crazy. I couldn't and, believe and the way they were handling it. Because you see it on TV, like even like the real crime shows, and it's like, that's, this is weird. This is not what's happening. Like, they, something's off. They shoot us, is what they did. It's like they weren't working with us. They were working on, against us. Yeah, like, well, if your son wouldn't have been over there, okay, yeah, if he wouldn't have been over there in your, in your city, maybe it wouldn't have happened, okay? But, um,. And then all of a sudden, it's like the phone's call stopped, and I call them to see if they heard any updates. And it's just like, huh. I was done and over with. Yep. They just pretty much told me to stop calling because there's nothing they could do for me. You guys, you guys had to be thinking at the start of this. Person of interest, suspect. You have to be thinking they're going to catch the guy. I, I did. I actually thought they were going to solve it. Um, I actually called them, well, it was weekly, and then it went to, like, monthly, and then I actually talked to the one main detective that was on the case and told me that they found Marcos, okay, the person of interest, and that there was nothing being talked about, and that was the end of it. So, where does that leave us? You know what I mean? So, at this point, we have nothing. And they're not talking to us, you know, like I call them up and ask them questions about stupid stuff and I still don't get any answers. Why does it matter what's on his tax screening report? Well, because I like to know if he was on anything. Remember him as he was. That, that has nothing to do with it. Yeah, it's not their decision to make. Yeah. So what is the problem with me not knowing what's on his tax screening report? And why can't I have a driver's license back? I get it was a part of the crime scene, but it's a driver's license. Who knows that, you know? The criminal knew they had a driver's license on him. <laughs> you know what I mean? You but there were so many people that said that they called in um, Crime Stoppers when they knew where Marcos was for two weeks and no, but nothing. There was nothing. Not even, we were even told that they even went out there to even check these out. Dakota's family says he was heading out in his truck to a nearby party store after getting a text around 1130. His family says the shooting happened shortly after. From what I can tell, it happened, they had him pulled over on the opposite side of the road. So somebody stopped him. They being police or somebody else? Somebody else, the people that were involved. Um, because like, human goes this way, Douglas goes this way. And the only reason why I know he was on the opposite side of the street because the way the crime portal shoot mm -hmm. sits, 
they're over here looking where they had a little bit of construction on the side. They're looking down this hole in over on this side of the street. So, I mean, I could be wrong because I'm not a police officer to know how spent casings well, go. And where the truck landed, too, you can tell that they yeah. were where he was at. Yeah. So they stopped him and his truck was still in, in, in drive. So he had to put on. So what happened after they shot him the first four times, his truck coasted and breasted up against the yield site and then they shot him some more. Mm -hmm. Do you think it was an ambush? What you just described sounds yes. like an ambush. Yep. Um, his dad said that Cody got a call at 1130 because he was at his house at 1130 and said that he was supposed to be meeting a buddy at In-N-Out Party Store over in Saginaw, which is not that far from his dad's house. It's the only party store over in that hood. Mm -hmm. And you have to go through where Cody had, where Cody was killed to get to even pretty much to get there. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and they got him on the way back. And I don't. I sometimes wonder if he even made it to the party store. He was on the way back, though. Maybe we don't know that. Well, the way the truck was facing, I'm gonna assume he did. So I don't, I don't know. know. Because that road that brings you to Douglas and Humans, like he would have left his dad's house. And he would have went, he, he would have, have traveled south, yep. and he would have turned left to go to the party store, but his truck coasted right into the stop sign, pretty much. That's right where he would have stopped to turn left no, or I go right or go straight. Too, right. But there's more bullet casings back on this side of the street, though. Yeah. It's just very hard. We don't know. They don't it's give it's us any it's information. It's hard to piece together. Mm -hmm. It is. We're just coming up with our own conclusions at yeah. this point because we can't get no answers. But whoever Zero. was involved, we think, knew him because his window was down. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, in September, sometimes They had the door warm, open on the passenger that, side. Yes. And so we heard, too, like a bunch of people were coming forward and they would travel from Saginaw to Midland to meet us at random places and fill us in on kind of like what they saw. Mm -hmm. And we would turn that information over to the detective that was handling his case in the first, like when it first happened. And it's just hearsay. Yeah, he would say, well, it's just neighbors being neighbors talking. But I'm like, yeah, but it all like sounds so real, like so true, because they said that they saw somebody get out of the truck and run out of the truck. So it's almost like whoever was with them, like somebody made it out of that truck knows what happened. The whole thing with him being murdered and the police and how everybody kind of like their outlook on Saginaw and how Saginaw is different or there's a lot of crime over there is they don't understand that he lived the best of both worlds. His dad has lived over there since they were divorced and he was over probably years. three years old. You know, so he went back and forth his whole life. Mm -hmm. Between Midland and Saginaw. Between yeah. Midland and no, Saginaw. So, both worlds. Like you you know, both mm -hmm. worlds. So yeah, he probably was doing something that he shouldn't have been doing, but that doesn't mean that his life isn't as valuable as somebody who's not. And for them to shoot them the way they did. This um, wasn't once or twice. They were, oh, this was they unloaded it. Um, let's put it this way. It took me, what was it, days to actually realize that Cody didn't have a face no more. From here, it was all gone. Yep. Um, the funeral director, his son is in the business with him. Mm -hmm. Actually still has nightmares over that because he's never seen such a gruesome scene I guess in his life and even their funeral director 
said he has problems with it to this day. So for whoever did this, it was personal. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. And I know you guys believe he was ambushed. Do you have an idea of why? Mm, not a clue. I bet it was over a small amount of money or something petty. I don't think it was something extravagant because... It couldn't have been. I mean, he, I could have, but... He confided in me a lot, and if it was over money, he would have asked me for it, and he wouldn't be dead. But there were four other shootings over there that week, though, and they were all over drugs. They tried to say Cody was the fourth homicide. He was the fifth. Um, each one of those cases were done over drugs, and they all got a bullet to the head, and that was it. Yeah, so they were kind of trying to throw us off, like, well, this could have just been random, or he was dealing drugs with these other three or four victims, and he just lost his life because of that. But the wrong like, place at the wrong time, mistaken yeah, identity, robbery, like combat. That's not what happened, though. No. When we know that it's not. No. And there's a lot of, like, little events from, like, the last year of his life that lead up to this moment, you know? Um, there's, like, a trail of things that happened with him in the way that he was leading his life, and that led up to him being murdered. And I think that they're not looking at the bigger picture. They're just kind of going off of what they see all the time versus, you know, something that's... that. But with the person of interest mm -hmm. and the way he, they keep letting him off tells me that Cody's not the only homicide that he was involved in that he got away with. Yeah. You know, yeah. especially when it comes out of their mouth. <laughs> I mean, come on. I know this case hasn't been classified a cold case. Yeah. But it's got to feel like one to you guys. Oh, I was told it was a cold case. I was told it wasn't a cold case. Yeah. And that they can't classify it as one because they, it's open. And they won't close it. But, but I don't, they're not going to solve it. <laughs> yeah, I don't understand. When I talked to them last, um, it was probably like six months ago now, they told me that they can't classify it because I wanted it to be classified as a cold case because it yep. opens more doors for us. A potential, even a set of second eyes. Yeah. Could get and they, onto the case. Yeah, yep. that's exactly what I was thinking. A second set of eyes or, you know, somebody that would take interest in it. But they told me they can't classify it as a cold case because it's open, but they're not actively working on it. And I'm like, well, that doesn't make any sense then. Because if you have a suspect and you think that you know who did it, but you're not arresting them and you're leaving this case open, that doesn't make any sense. I don't think that it's fair that we have to accept the answer that they just don't want to solve it. There's no answers. That's the problem. You guys feel like you're having to fight harder than you ever. Oh, our imagined. fight's over because I, we're at a dead end. We hit our, I yeah, hit a brick wall. We've exhausted I've everything. Tried everything. And all you want in the end is just an arrest, charges, and. Even if they were to take this kid to. You know, at this point, even if they were to take him to court and he doesn't get charged with it, I'm fine with that. For you guys, if you finally get over that last hill where you want to be, I mean, what would that mean for you if you got... Peace and closure. Yeah. I would bring me a lot of peace, I think. Yep, peace. Because finding who did it isn't going to bring him back, but... No. At least they're held accountable. I mean, yeah. you can't take somebody's life and just... Even if we just get to see them sit there for five minutes. At today, I wouldn't even care if they even charged them with it. We just want to and know who it is. That's it. And why. 
because you see all these other, you know, how many homicides have happened in Saginaw since. <laughs> a lot, yes. Yeah. Yeah. There's arrests, there's charges, there's convictions, there's prison sentences. And you guys don't have that. We don't have nothing. Right. We don't have answers at this point. Yeah. We just I, get lied to, so. Yeah. That's all we've got. It's very to. strange to me, too, how, like, they don't call us or follow up with us ever. Like, you'll hear some detectives talking, like retired detectives, like on a podcast, and they'll say, well, I followed up with so-and-so over 20 years, and then we finally, you know, I was there the day that they got her son's murderer, even though I wasn't the one who did it, you know? But it's like, we don't even, we never have gotten a phone call from them, I think, since the first or second day that it happened. Yeah, it was like three days later, it was done. It was over. And yep. nothing since. Nothing. That's part of that brick wall feeling. Mm -hmm. Oh, that was the brick wall. Yep, it was. It was just very strange. It's like, why are they not... Like, why are they not contacting us? Why are they not communicating with us? I just thought it was very weird that... It's like, we were the... What do you call it? Um, villains, maybe? Mm. Like, we were the ones out causing the trouble. You know, so there was no socialization going on there. But you're out fighting for your son. You're out fighting for your brother. Yeah, yeah that's why you were so public about this. Yeah. Yep. And we keep getting shut down. Every year, it's less and less and less. What's September 5th like every year? Tell. It is. It's a, hard. It feels like it yesterday is. still, honestly, and it really does. And it's. It's crazy how six years has passed, but it feels so fresh. Like every day you wake up and it's just, oh yeah, my brother's dead. We reached out to Michigan State Police asking to speak with the detectives handling Dakota's case, but we never heard back. If you have any information about who may have killed Dakota Rico, you are asked to call Michigan State Police. Thank you for listening to this episode of Unsolved. Be sure to join us next month as we dive into another unsolved mystery from here in northern Michigan. For 9 and 10 News, I'm David Lydon.